is reality. What is reality? What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, what you can taste and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. Electrical signals Reality, due to what we now consider the holographic universe principle, is this conscious, sensitive medium that we are sort of wandering around in, that we're not separate from, that we're a part of. We ask the question, to what extent can we control these things? What the hell is reality? What the hell is reality? Newtonian physics has done a great job of allowing us to, you know, build a better mousetrap. But we still don't understand consciousness, this stream of information. Welcome to episode 6 of Astra Podcast, Beyond Possibilities. Today, we're going to talk about reality. A disclaimer for all of you listening to this information, and really to any other information out there. All what you are about to hear is part of my own opinions and knowledge gathered from different philosophies. I'm not claiming to be saying any absolute truth. The same way you should not think what you already know is also absolutely true. You have the power and freedom to make your own conclusions and create your own truth as long as it doesn't harm or disrupt the freedom of others. So what's reality? The real reality is real and not real at the same time. This concept is hard to understand. The whole question has to be taken seriously. If you don't think of this question as a deep transformational concept, then you won't be able to overcome the surface layers of basic understanding and denial. Take into consideration that the way we present the question itself is an obstacle, because the essence of this idea has to be transmitted with the use of language. And with it comes all the associated problems of duality, which is one of the principles Zen Buddhism tries to overcome. The fact that to communicate this idea I need to use language already degrades the real information I want to transmit. The word reality can be interpreted by many of you as a slightly different thing, depending on your education, culture, experiences, and so on. So after you understand these margins of error, you might have a better idea of what else could be hiding around the corner that you cannot imagine right now and open your mind even more to other possibilities. There are many types of realities. Your reality, my reality, virtual reality, fake realities that are real, real realities that are fake, and so on. Possibly an infinite number of realities. All of them are hosted in a parent reality, which is real and not real at the same time. Therefore, all realities hosted in it will acquire the same characteristics. It's all a singularity. What does it mean that reality is real and not real at the same time? As a mathematical expression, if you have plus infinite and minus infinite, both will cancel each other and be a perfectly balanced singularity. Zero. But if you think about it, zero 
is supposed to represent nothing, but it still exists. So it is not really nothing, it is real somehow. With that in mind, there is only one zero, the original source, and everything you see is derived from that, it's a fractal. So if you want to know what God is, the answer can be zero. God is zero, or at least that's a mathematical expression of it. But you are made of the same fractal information, you are also a zero. Any other number you think about comes from the source. The number analogy, I think, works quite well if you know the basics of mathematics. In this mathematical analogy, it is not possible to have different zeros, there is just one. The originating point. That's why our separation from the source is an illusion, because you are the source. And when you look at another person, you're actually looking at yourself. Even when you look at the universe and or any singular thing within it, you're looking at yourself. What if I told you that what you normally call reality is just a game? A game within an infinite number of games. You can also use the term simulation. And it doesn't matter if it's a simulation because what really matters is what you learn from it. The experiences you have in it. The people you meet, help and share with. It doesn't matter if it's all a simulation. The data produced in the simulation is what we look for. Meaning the experience. The lesson. Many people think that the idea of a simulation is somehow reductionistic, and it means that if your life is in a simulation, then it is not real. What they must understand is that we are not the simulation, we are the awareness behind it. Just like a world in a video game is not physically real, doesn't mean that when you play it, the fun you have is not real either, or that the lessons or experiences you have in this simulated video game world are not real, quite the contrary. They are as real as you want them to be. You don't remember where you really come from originally. Just like when you're in a dream, and within the dream, you don't necessarily remember that you went to bed before that, or how you got to that dream. Linearity of time is another illusion of what you call reality. This game that you call reality is the ultimate open world game. It might take you several lifetimes to realize it, but it is not necessary to take that long. You don't need to keep coming back here to suffer, or pay for your sins in order to discover what you are. Enlightenment. Nirvana. Ascension. Closer to reality. All time exists all the time. That means that the past, the present, and the future already exist. They are not distant events from the past or future. That's why things that you do now will affect what you call the future, but also the past. This is a concept hard to grasp, because our brains are machines fine-tuned to work in this reality. And to be able to understand these concepts, we need to use representations just like we use a photograph or a drawing to represent a three-dimensional scene, or when we use symbols to represent even more abstract concepts, like mathematics, language, and ideas. So even though we use devices to measure moments or time, it doesn't mean that time is real. It is also a matter of perspective. 
and it is very subjective. It is more an experience that depends much on the experiencer. Apparently, the experience of time is also affected by other astrophysical qualities, like gravity and the speed moving through space. But if everything already exists, even the future, doesn't that mean that we're living a deterministic life? The short answer is no. You still have free will within some boundaries. Enough free will to change your life and the life of others in significant ways. To understand more about free will and determinism, please listen to episode 4. John Wheeler, a theoretical physicist who, by the way, popularized the term black hole, speculated that reality is created by observers in the universe. The observer has to be conscious. This idea is a derivative from quantum physics and the double slit experiment. Another interesting discovery from quantum physics is that what we think of as particles like atoms are not really solid matter, but just wave of energy containing information and infinite probabilities. So, if everything is information, that is much more similar to a video game, where everything is literally information, just code. And from that, an entire world and all its systems are built and rendered before you. Of course, reality has a more sophisticated system, probably not running code on computer resources, but on pure consciousness. The idea that we are in a simulation is being seriously discussed by scientists. This is what Neil deGrasse Tyson thinks about his theory. Quote, You look at our computer power today, and you say, I have the power to program a world inside of a computer. Well, imagine in the future, where you have even more power than that, you can create characters that have, for example, free will, or their own perception of free will. So this is a world, and I program the laws that govern that world. That world will have its own laws of physics, and chemistry, and biology. Now, you are a character in that world, and you think you have free will, and say, I want to invent a computer. So you do. Hey, hey I, I want to create, to create a, world a world in my computer. In my computer. And, and then, then that, that world, world creates, creates a, a world, world in its computer. And then you have simulations all the way down. So now you lay out all these universes and throw a dart. Which of these universes are you most likely to hit? The original one that started it? Or the countless simulations, the daughter simulations that uh, unfolded thereafter? You're going to hit one of the simulations. You're going to hit one of the simulations. So, statistically, based on that argument, which first appeared by a, a philosopher from Oxford named Nick Bostrom back in the 1990s, it's hard to argue against the possibility that all of us are not just the creation of some kid in a parent's basement programming up a world for their own entertainment. Unquote. This idea has been contemplated by Elon Musk, who often talks about the topic of the simulated reality as well as AI and its dangers. As I mentioned before, my opinion is that this reality is not running in a supercomputer. I would still support the theory of the simulated reality, but running on some kind of consciousness energy, not hardware or powerful physical servers somewhere out there. But if it happens to be one or the other, I don't really care much, because the result is still the same. Imagine an extremely realistic simulation, so real that you cannot tell the difference between the simulated world and the real world. Using the best quantum technology, 
And now imagine a particular situation, let's say going to World War I, and experiencing the horrors of it. Whether you go into the simulated one or the real one, the results will be the same. Shell shock, PTSD, sorrow, wounds in your simulated physical projection, and so on. It's all the same result. So other than knowing for sure that you are in a simulation and knowing how it works, there is no difference. Unless someone is taking advantage of us just like it is proposed in the movie The Matrix, in which case we are mere slaves. But really, it is up to you if you wanted to be a slave in the first place. This place exists because you created it. There is an energy here that resonates with yours. Or maybe you are here on a mission, you are helping others, or whatever. There are many possibilities. The Matrix. The Matrix. Philip K. Dick was a prominent science fiction writer. He wrote 44 novels and about 121 short stories during his lifetime. Some of his work has been turned into television series and movies like Blade Runner, Total Recall, The Man in the High Castle, and Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, to name just a few. The themes of his work were nature of reality, perception, human nature and identity, and characters that commonly struggle against elements such as alternate realities, illusory environments, monopolistic corporations, drug abuse, authoritarian governments, and altered states of consciousness. If you ask someone who has read Philip K. Dick's work, that person will probably say that he wrote literature that changed the way we live. Philip Dick also had some interesting paranormal experiences that contributed to his work and to his vision of the world. He even shared his experiences of memories from some kind of parallel realities and a fascinating point of view of what he thinks reality is in 1977 during a sci-fi convention in Metz, France, in which he said he truly believed that we are living in a computer simulation. This was probably the first time someone proposed the theory that we are living in a computer simulation, and it had to come from the enigmatic Philip K. Dick in 1977, a time in which it was really hard to believe such a claim. I guess being a sci-fi writer helped him to not be ridiculed for such claim, because after all, it is supposed to be just fictional stories. Let's hear part of what he said during that speech in 1977. You are free to believe me or to disbelieve, but please take my word on it that I am not joking. This is very serious, a matter of importance. We are living in a computer-programmed reality and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed and some alteration in our reality occurs. People claim to remember past lives. I claim to remember a different, very different present life. I know of no one who has ever made this claim before, but I rather suspect that my experience is not unique. What perhaps is unique is the fact that I am willing to talk about it. This is just part of his long speech that you can hear on YouTube. You can find the link in the show notes. But what he was talking about seems to me very similar to the Mandela effect. I will repeat again what he said. Quote, We're living in a computer program reality, and the only clue we have to it is when some variable is changed 
and some alterations in our reality occurs. Unquote. That alteration he's talking about happened with the Mandela effect, where in 2009 a lot of people began to remember the funeral of Nelson Mandela happening many years ago, but he was actually still alive in 2009. So people were confused. This also extended to other events and more people started to realize this kind of so-called glitches in reality. Could these glitches be the clues that Dick talks about? I will encourage you to do your own research. I'm just connecting the dots of ideas and showing you that. So please be careful with how you interpret this information, not only from this podcast, but even the information you gather out there, whether it is from books, the internet, or people. Welcome to the Superior Reality. Welcome to the simulation. At the beginning of this episode, I said that the concept of reality has to be taken seriously. It has to transcend the word itself and your current basic definition of it. Otherwise, your mind won't be open to the ideas exposed here. If we usually define our reality as the state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them, as defined in the dictionary, I would say it is a very basic definition, which is also deceiving. Scientists use sensors to measure reality and quantify it, so we can have a better idea of how everything works from the smallest details. The problem started when we began measuring very tiny particles. When you look at the very, very tiny particles like electrons, there's no way to know exactly what it is. Do yourself a favor and look up the Heisenberg Uncertainty Principle, which is also tied to quantum physics, and that's when we discover the effect of the observer over matter, especially with the double slit experiment. The irony of all this is that we use sensors and instruments made out of the same materials we're trying to study. Imagine a self-aware Minecraft character trying to understand its reality with tools crafted out of the same elements of that reality. How far do you think it will get? And there is another thing to consider, which is the tiny strip of reality we are able to perceive with our senses, meaning that we can only see a very small spectrum of light, hear a small band of frequencies, and so on. And that's why we use sensors to expand that perception, to be able to see beyond, but we are still limited by our technology, but mostly by our understanding. Charles Ford once said, quote, If there is an underlying oneness of all things, it does not matter where we begin, whether with stars, or laws of supply and demand, or frogs, or Napoleon Bonaparte. One measures a circle, beginning anywhere. Unquote. Charles Ford was an American writer and researcher who specialized in anomalous phenomena, another character with interesting ideas about this topic that you can research. The information era in social media. What do the information and social media have to do with reality? Well, ultimately, whatever you assume to be real it's just an interpretation that goes through our filters of emotions, beliefs, experiences, and character. Your actions depend on your surrounding information. You build your perception of reality upon the processing of that information. 
1938, a radio broadcast by Orson Welles and his Mercury Theatre on the Air performed a radio adaptation of The War of the Worlds, a 40-year-old novel by Herbert G. Wells, which they converted into fake news bulletins describing a Martian invasion of New Jersey. Ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable, but I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and they gleam like a serpent. The mouth is... Some listeners mistook those bulletins for the real thing and did anxious phone calls to police, newspaper offices and radio stations. The panic spread that night among the listeners of that radio broadcast, although it is not clear how big the audience was. But the impact was big enough to make Orson Welles on the front page of newspapers throughout the nation the next morning. This was caused by a one-hour broadcast. Now imagine what a bombardment of negative news can do to the masses on a daily basis worldwide. Not only negative news, but also fake news. Biased news, selective news, and all the flavors you can imagine. And social media is not here to help. Although it was created in the beginning for that reason, it quickly spiraled into a profit-making machine, now able to change the behavior of entire countries just by using subtle manipulations of the data displayed to its users thus changing their perspective of their reality. This is not limited to Facebook or Meta, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, but the same behavior can be found in search engines like Google, where even when you search for a term, the results vary depending on your location and user profile. Basically, when you go online and search for some information, you'll get what you want to hear, which is a confirmation bias. The algorithms are optimized to serve the information to keep you engaged, especially when you use Google or social media in general. You're not exposed to other opinions contrary to your beliefs, and if that happens, it's to engage you in a negative way. And most of us are too lazy to look for other sources of information to get at least a wider narrative. And that's when the polarization starts. It's hard to live in a world where everyone is in their own bubble and wants you to be in their bubbles as well, all thanks to the profit-making algorithms that can literally control society. In an internal email, Mark Zuckerberg once said, quote, What's good for the world isn't necessarily good for Facebook. Unquote. Since the introduction of social media on mobile in 2009, suicides and self-harm rates on teenagers, especially girls, have increased by more than 70%, and that's only in the United States. If you believe and compare yourself with the perfect life that everyone else posts on their social media feed, if your body doesn't look like the ones of the models in the advertising you see every day everywhere, and then you read the hateful comments directed towards you, of course you'll start to feel bad about yourself never realizing that it is a reality constructed by altered information. 99.9% .9 of us will only publish our achievements, our best moments, and even fake situations to impress our friends and family. And some of us might even think that we are the ones faking it while others might be actually living that life for real, without realizing that everyone is doing the same thing. And many of us are not willing to admit it because we like our egos too much. Just like what happened with Orson Welles' broadcast in 1938, a similar thing keeps happening today at a broader scale with fatal consequences, and no regulations have been put in place yet. Although I would suggest you educate yourself and your kids about this. Don't be prompt to conclusions about the information you receive, verify with other sources, decrease time spent on addictive and especially toxic and negative social media content, 
and invest your time instead on productive activities, or just relax yourself with some meditation. Challenge yourself not to use your phone for certain periods of time, and instead read a book, take an online course, or watch a documentary which you can question later. Social media is just a small part of the problem. We have the mainstream media. No matter what channel or network you choose, they all read from the same script. Sometimes, literally. No matter how much good things happen in the world, the vast majority of news in mainstream media is always about negative nature. To generate fear, uncertainty, and to change the way you build the reality around you out of fear and hate. We cannot carry on with this episode without mentioning the allegory of the cave, an idea from the ancient Greek philosopher Plato, born around 423 BC. In this allegory, some prisoners live chained to the wall of the cave from the beginning, and they're only able to see some shadows projected on the wall in front of them. These shadows are created by objects passing in front of a fire behind them, but the shadows are not an accurate representation of the real objects. This is all they know there is. One day, one of the prisoners managed to escape and goes out of the cave. Outside, it is so bright that his eyes take some time to adjust. Once he can see properly, what he sees is beyond his imagination. Colors, shapes, new sounds, very different reality. He goes back to the cave and tells the others, but they refuse to go with him for the fear of what's out there. That was a short version of Plato's allegory, but it depicts the same problems we all have with reality. Only, they are a bit more complex, but in essence, is the same. So if you ask the question, what's reality? It implies a dualistic answer. And as long as you keep looking at the world with dualism, it's not the ultimate real world, but a copy of it. Today's recommendation is a classic, the movie The Matrix. If you haven't seen it, please do. And if you have, then try to pay attention to details this time and look at it from a different perspective. If you enjoyed this episode of Astro Podcast Beyond Possibilities, consider rating the show and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Visit astropodcast.com for more information. Thank you for listening and thank you for existing.